Do you want to be a millionaire? No. Why not? What is your relationship with money? One woman wants to change your thinking and help you see your potential to build wealth and to be a millionaire. The woman, Rachel Rogers. The book, We Should All Be Millionaires. (laughs) A Woman's Guide to Earning More, Building Wealth, and Gaining Economic Power. And you're listening to Lit Society. Let's Let's get get lit. lit. Hi, readers. This is Alexis. And this is Kari. Listening to Lit Society, a podcast about books and drama. Drama. Kari. Yeah. Do you remember ever receiving money education about banking, credit cards, writing checks? If so, where was it? School, home? Tell me the story. The earliest conversation I remember about money is that my father noticed I wasn't using it well. (laughs) And this wasn't relative. I was just uh, wasteful. And he sat down and had maybe a five to 10 minute talk with me. Um, The other conversation uh, was probably from my mother. And she was like, never get a credit card. Oh, wow. How old were you when these things happened? Uh, The credit card was probably like 18 after I got my first credit card. And the money conversation for my dad, uh, maybe I had my first job at Popeye's probably. So middle school, I wasn't really supposed to be working, I don't think. Oh, oh, middle school. Okay. Eighth eighth grade, maybe maybe ninth grade, but I think eighth grade. Mm -hmm. I think I was in middle school, maybe seventh or eighth grade. And my grandmother gave me a book about banking. Um, That book showed me how to write checks. However, I think by that time, my attitude towards money may have been set already. Um, We were a poor family growing up and I internalized that. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a job babysitting. I did poorly with that money. I don't know if I um, kept that or gave that money away. I don't know. Um, I do remember, though, having a lemonade stand with my next door neighbor. We sell lemonade and cookies. Um, I love that. Also, I think money burned a hole in my pocket. Mm -hmm. I spent it real quick. Mm -hmm. And I believe and I um, am a forever believer to this day that you should spend your money. I mean, I believe in saving, but I also believe in spending it. And because of my own issues um, with money, I decided I wanted to do something different for my daughter in hopes that she would have a better relationship with money. Does she? I don't know. (laughs) Don't get on here telling her business. I think she does. But (laughs) with that, I'm going to jump into our theme of the week. And that is how to teach children about money. Oh, okay. Now, why you don't have any children, you can share it with your friends. How about that? <laughs> I love telling people what to do, giving them advice. <laughs> so I will. Thank you. It's like a, you know, a Dr. Phil kind of moment. We get to tell people what oh, to do. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> listen, I remember thinking 
I didn't want to talk about money with my daughter and I didn't for years. Then I learned that I should talk about money with my daughter. And so I did. I remember. Well, why didn't you, if I may ask, why didn't you want to? I didn't want that to be a concern of her, something she had to worry about as a child. Oh, you didn't want to have that conversation as a, for her as a child. I didn't want it to be a concern for her. I remember being poor. I remember thinking I was poor and I didn't like that feeling and I didn't want to transfer um, her to have similar feelings about money. Um, so I remember one time telling my daughter that we were poor and she was so quick to say, uh, no, we're not. You middle class. <laughs> right. Oh, I wasn't going to oh, say okay. nothing, but did you have eight kids? <laughs> Because after that, I think I started living like I wasn't poor. <laughs> it's because a you weren't. It's a this whole is interesting. Mindset. This is mm-hmm. interesting, just briefly, because we do, we can stay in the financial class that we grew up in for the rest of our lives. So if mm-hmm. we grew up in what society has deemed a uh, lower class or lower middle class, no matter if we become multimillionaires as adults, we can have a middle, a low or a low middle class mindset. And that yeah. can affect how much wealth we build. So Absolutely. Absolutely. That's interesting. That's everybody, though. You yeah. was telling her, um, like, you get three beans today. <laughs> but don't worry about it because this other kids at your school, they got two beans. And she's like, but we got a whole pantry full of beans. <laughs> In real life, in real life, it was like that. She looked at me like, um, could you not say that? <laughs> That's dumb. She was in middle school. <laughs> I, was, I got my... Been, go ahead. She always been wise, so I know she was just kind. She said, okay, mother. Um, yeah, I pulled it together quick after that. So... I remember my mom spread her money around. So I spread my money around. I put my money in different places. And I always thought that was a good idea. I don't know if it is, but it works for me. That's all I'm going to say about that. One thing about your mama, let's say all her money was for her children. I know she was feeding other people's children because I was some of them children. (laughs) And I know I was eating at home, coming to your house and eating some oats. (laughs) And then nobody ever slapped nothing out of my mouth at your house. That's all I got to say. I love your mama. Okay, great. (laughs) Thank you. Listen, I found an article on NPR.org. It's want to teach your kids about money. Start including them in the conversations. They interviewed a financial expert. Um, Her name is Jill Oh, excuse me, Jen Hemphill, whose family moved from Colombia to the U.S. when she was young and money was often tight. So let's get into her tips. The first tip, talk about money as a family, open and often. It's considered taboo. And the best way to shake off this awkwardness is to have regular conversations with everyone in the house included. The talks don't have to be scary. And I was always looking at them as scary talks. Mm -hmm. Um, It doesn't have to be about mortgage. It doesn't have to be about this month's rents. She suggested sharing positive money stories. Um, Maybe you find money on the street. You can have a conversation about that. Um, You can talk about being able to resist impulse shopping while you're out. 
And then she suggested including children in small acts of financial decision making. Mm. Maybe for a tween, you could do price comparisons for back to school shopping. And then maybe for a five year old, you could have them pick the bread um, and talk about their reasoning or whatever it is they like that the house needs and talk about the reasoning behind that. Another tip she gave was an allowance um, isn't one size fits fits all. Did you get an allowance, Kari, when you were younger? No. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry, I didn't either. (laughs) Was I supposed to? I would have liked to. Listen, on TV, all the other kids was getting them. They were. So I was like, where's my allowance? Mm No. I'm old uh, reparations. <laughs> Listen, so I didn't give <laughs> I didn't give my daughter one either. I didn't believe in paying children for things that they should already be doing. What she says is, you know your child best, but don't allow your own childhood experiences to sway you or what your peers are doing. So take all of that out. I can see that because um, an allowance is just part of money education. But in our households, yeah, I'm not going to pay you to wash the dishes. <laughs> just wash the out dishes, Dagnabbit. Right. Clean the house. <laughs> Contribute to the household. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, she said, if you decide to give allowance, though, here's some things to consider. Look at your budget and decide what you can afford. Mm. Consider the child's age and what's appropriate. Think about your child, um, what your child needs money for and any goals you as a parent may have for them. She also said, make sure the terms are clear. What is that money tied to? Do they have to save anything? Um, Older children may be asked to purchase their own necessities. Like that's one thing. um, I don't know. I must have given my daughter money, but not an allowance. And so when I did give her that money or when she got a job, maybe she was required to buy her own necessities. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, When they make money mistakes, you could talk to them about them early. And this way you're using the allowance as a money tool. Another tip they gave was start saving as early as possible. Curry, did you have a savings account at a young age? Yeah, but I was always dipping and dabbling in it. For any little thing. But yes, I had one. Oh, cool. I did not. I did not. But if you make savings a part of your child's life, it'll be a no-brainer as they get older. Give the child the give, save, spend bank. Do you know what that is, Kari? Give, save, spend. Yes, that's teaching them how to be altruistic while um, preparing for their financial future. Yeah, you can and find these spending. types of... Yeah, you can also find these um, banks on Amazon. It helps them to start thinking about um, goal setting. Um, You can even encourage your children to put 20% of their earnings into their savings. Um, You can even help them with um, gift money and, well, excuse me, they can also put gift money and allowance money into the savings. When children get older, you can consider setting them up with a kid-friendly bank account. 
When was your first bank account besides your savings account, Kari? Yeah, that was when I got that job at Popeye's. I was probably 15. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I can't remember when mine was, but it had to be related to work. And I was working pretty young as well. So I get it. Um, Look for one. When you're looking for a kid-friendly bank, look for one that um, will waive fees and doesn't have a minimum balance requirement. Um, You'll also want to find one that uh, helps you teach your child, find teachable moments to talk to your child about it. You can even take your child into the bank and allow that to be the teachable moment. Finally, Hemphill says it's never too late to talk to your children about money. Um, If parents are transparent, they set them up for success. If we don't practice good money habits, we can start um, now. If you Mm -hmm. don't like me, if I don't practice good money habits now, I can start teaching my child early, even though I'm not perfect. Because we don't have to be perfect. We just have to start a conversation. You don't have to be Um, wealthy either. You don't have to be wealthy either. One of the resources mentioned in the article is the um, is an article called The Money As You Grow Guide from the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. Um, I, I took a look at that. That would be a helpful tool. Um, one resource I suggest is banks. In the past, banks offered helpful tools to teach children how to manage money. They had little um, booklets that talk about money. Um, when I was growing up, my, my grandmother gave me that book that I could practice writing checks with. People don't write checks anymore, so they may have other stuff. People don't go is... to banks either, except Alexis. I'm laughing because Alexis <laughs> loved to go to a bank. She took me to my first bank in six years. I said, why am I here for everything I can do online? Yeah, but sometimes, sometimes you want to do that. It's, you know. That in-person interaction. Can I say that? I think it's a thing, Beep. I think it's a thing, Kari. Okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So that's the theme of the week. Do you have any questions that you want to share with your friends when you talk to them about (laughs) saving money? (laughs) No, I don't have any money advice for nobody. So thank you. I'm I'm thinking when me and my mama can sit down so she can talk to me about money because you said it's never too late. It's never too late. It's never too late. I always find a gem I'm going to share with my little girl. (laughs) So why don't we take a quick break before we jump into our author and context? I love this. Thank you, Alexis. All right. Sounds good. Yes. What can you share about the author and context for this book? Well, let me ask you, have you ever heard of Rachel Rogers? No. Okay. She's a big deal. I've never heard of her either, but that may be because we're not entrenched in that financial world. Mm -hmm. Um, I started toying around with um, investments and investing more aggressively in 2020, like a lot of people. And Mm -hmm. I was just doing um, things like listening to talks by uh, VCs and um, diversifying my money. I thought with a few NFT investments, ha ha. (laughs) Ha. Um, 
I found a list of uh, random words in a drawer the other day. And I was like, cat, hot sauce, ketchup. What is this? Oh, it's my NFT bank key. Weird time. I think 10 years from now, I think two years from now, we all going to be like, what was that? Were we bored? <laughs> yes, we were. Yes, but you were. <laughs> so who is Rachel Rogers? She's a business coach, lawyer, uh, living in Greensboro, North Carolina, as of 2021. And the book we're reading today is semi-autobiographical. So mm-hmm. she does talk about her work in law, in litigation. Um but growing up, her family found themselves very comfortable before falling into struggling and eventually having to be on a type of welfare. Her father died. Well, first, her mother quit for a good reason, but then didn't find a job to replace um, her previous job. And that's always everyone's fear. Like, even if yeah. I should leave my job, what if I never find a replacement? Um, So unfortunately, that did happen to her mom. Her father passed away and then her mom um, slipped into alcohol dependence. So at the first moment she could, Rachel, who loves her mom and loved her family, um, got out of that house and reshaped her environment. It wasn't all roses and sunshine. Life was no crystals there. But Mm -mm. eventually she did learn how to properly manage her money. And she learned some keys that she loves giving others, especially um, women and women of color. Today, Rachel Rogers is a multimillionaire and she's determined to make you one too. Her business, Hello7, is a coaching company focused on helping women earn what they deserve. Um, so it's not necessarily like fire. Is that fi- right? Fire? Like um, oh, where you were retire early. You know what I'm talking about? It was a buzzword. It still kind of is. Um, but this is a methodology that a lot oh. of people use to build up wealth young. And the idea is that you retire, hopefully in your 30s, maybe yeah. uh, in your 50s. Um, yeah, I heard of that. But Which is great because retirement age now is like 192. Don't and nobody want to give you nothing you deserve. <laughs> okay. Exactly. They want you eating and cat food. They're mm-hmm. raising that limit. They're raising it even higher. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So through her company, Hello7, she both educates women, coaches women, and she also has a foundation um, designed to help black women deliver babies safely. Just a reminder, black women are more likely to die due to pregnancy related um, causes than any other group. So that's the altruistic side of her business. Again, Hello7 being Hello7 figures because she is focused on making you a millionaire. While Hello7 started with roughly 60 clients at the beginning of 2020, it ended the toughest year for business with 1,800 clients. A quote of hers that I love that I got from CNBC is the following. Focus on my own self-care. This is her goal. Focus on my own self-care. We talk about self-care all the time and a lot of people equate it to spa days. Self-care is not always fun and relaxing. It can require hard work. Sometimes it's therapy and sometimes I dread meeting with my therapist, end quote. I, so I, I like that. co-sign that. Right yeah. There. Yeah. Self-care isn't always about a pedicure. It might be about um, dealing with our mental and financial health. 
so that we can sleep better at night and have more peace during the day. But anyway, uh, that's what I have on Rachel Rogers. Again, her books, her book does talk about her life a little bit. I did think it was cute that she was like, my friend um, wrote this like national bestseller. And I was like, I'm jealous. And I followed (laughs) that jealousy to writing my own national bestseller. (laughs) Come on, come on, girl. (laughs) Yeah. So that's Rachel Rogers. All right. Well, thank you for sharing. Now, why don't you share it with us a brief synopsis without spoilers before we jump into our deep dive. Atomic Habits with a Fiscal Twist. We Should All Be Millionaires breaks down why the majority of women find themselves floating in a sea of debt with nothing but poverty on the horizon. But everyone should be a millionaire, according to the author, and she's convinced that her formula will be your raft to financial freedom. Alexis, who do you think this book is for? I would say anybody who enjoys self-help books or anybody who wants to be a millionaire. Like the like the TV show. Who wants to be a millionaire? Me. You could read that too. What and why did you choose this book, Kari? Yeah, I chose it because um, the start of the year, a lot of people are trying to get a hold of their finances, myself included. So I thought it would be perfect to see what a coach has to say. Well, all right then. Are you ready to take that spoiler-filled deep dive into We Should All Be Millionaires? A woman's guide to earning more, building wealth, and gaining economic power? Indeed. Let's go. All right. So part one. Uh, Oops. This is a self-help book. Yeah, I don't like self-help books. I don't know who they're for, and they never help me. However, this is indeed... Yes, Alexis loves them. This is indeed a self-help book. Sorry. And the first part of it is very much that. She starts by saying, I'm going to teach you, one, how to build serious wealth. Two, increase your income significantly within one year. Three, get on the path to becoming a millionaire within three years. Four, stop getting in your own way. Five, increase your power of peace and joy. And six, I'm going to teach you how to start making million dollar decisions. She promises not to tell us to stop shopping or drinking lattes because that advice is ridiculous. And it's the kind of garbage that women have been told for years. That's not the key. Okay, I got to tell you that I love that part the most because any (laughs) um, self-help book that I've read related to money always starts with that. Yeah, so I do see some value in not throwing away $6 every day. I mean, $6, $5, $6 a day for a week. That's about $30. That's $120 at the end of the month. That's a big deal. However, go ahead. what if you only do it like a couple times a week? You know, you're not committed. What if you do it every day? (laughs) We gotta live. (laughs) Can we live? But you know what? That goes back to it. I like spending money. So I embrace that wholeheartedly. Stop telling me not to spend my money, okay? Yeah, so a friend um, said that recently about me, and I was offended. I said, I like to save money. And then after um, spending money every day on Amazon, uh, whatever, uh, I said, you know what? I think I like to spend money. Admit it. It's good. It's freeing. The call was coming from inside the house. Okay. (laughs) Her background. 
black woman with kids, a husband and plenty of responsibilities. When she started her path to a million, her only asset was potential. She grew up with uh, welfare, like we said, and a loving mom who was suffering from an alcohol addiction. Her story, she feels, means it's possible for anyone to find financial stability. Now, after she went through this list of what her book is going to do for us, and she talked about her background and why it's possible for all of us to become financially set, I was like, okay, well, let me get my pen and paper and you just give me the key, the formula. Give me the recipe. I'll do it. Probably. I don't know. Probably not. (laughs) Listen, the first half of this book is all statistics and motivational speaking. And I am allergic to motivational speaking and I hate affirmations. So it was a struggle. If I wasn't reading it for this podcast, I would have stopped. And that would have been unfortunate because I found part two to be very helpful. However, I'll continue through part one. Part one, a million dollar behavior. So she's all about get your behavior together. This is the atomic habits part so that every day you are acting and behaving like the million dollar you. Um, She has a quote here by Octavia Butler. We love her kindred forget Mm -hmm. inspiration. Habit is more dependable. Ooh, I eat that stuff up. I love that. When you are not inspired, especially as a writer, you don't go sit down. You do because you're a writer and you love to torture yourself. But you should be forming a habit of writing something every day. And that's how um, a lot of mediums work in our life. A lot of um, not mediums, but focuses. We we need to find habits that pull us up um, because inspiration won't always be there that get us going, that move us into action. So this book begins with a lot of anecdotes, too many in my opinion. Uh, What (laughs) did you think, Alexis? I eat self-help books for breakfast, ma'am. I love it all. I'm like, yes, that and that and that and that. Yeah, it's like 2% of women are financially stable and 99.9 thousand percent are in the gutter. It's a lot of that. Um, the bread on this sandwich is very thick, but some people like bread. Alexis, like Oprah, loves the bread. I love on it all. Her I love it. Book. Mm-hmm. If you feel you're just not good with money, too busy, or you just don't place importance on money and wealth, this book is especially for you, she says. Now, where do you fall in that, Alexis, do you think? Um, I, I, I don't feel like I'm not good with money. So it's the I'm in the middle. I'm in the middle with that. What were the options again? Yeah, not good with money, too busy, or you just don't place importance on it. Yeah, no, I'm in the middle somewhere because I, I, I see its value. I recognize its value. I, um, you know, when you're out there jobless and whatnot, you can see its value and stuff, but it's not like, ooh, that high on the timeline for me. And I'm not worried about it either. Yeah, I mean, I've been uh, dirt poor and I've been in a high earning household and I have always lived happily because what matters uh, for me. See, this is the thing. When I was dirt poor, I was like um, in my first apartment as an adult. And I remember um, like scrounging through my covers for something to eat. I did not have time to go grocery shopping. Instacart was not a thing. So between work, volunteering and other responsibilities I had, I remember just not having food. And I was thinking like, I wish a service would bring food to my house. Can you relate to that? No, that sounds like a a choice you were making though, right? 
No, I'm. When would I go grocery shop? When would I buy food for myself? When you out, when you come home from work, because you leaving to go to work. No, 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 no. I would go every hour of my day was already spent. But I digress. I also was spending a lot of money. So, uh, yeah, it probably was a choice. It was a choice. Uh, I tell you, I could have planned better. Absolutely. Um, But I got by on dollar McChicken sandwiches. um, And that was my early 20s. Um, so I just, I've never, um, been in a household where we didn't know where our next meal was coming from. However, if you have, of course, you're feel you, you might place more importance on money. I feel like I just don't consider it important. Um, and this book was really boring me at this point because it was information in here that I needed and I didn't care to receive it. (laughs) Moving on. (laughs) Thought work. Mm-hmm. When a thought comes into your mind that is not helping you get to where you're going, actively change that thought into one that is helpful. Remember that your thinking is shaped by many influences, society, the media, etc. Do thought work to focus on the facts, not opinions. Ooh, I love this also. Yeah. Mm-hmm. An example is um, these tight pants are tight because I'm a fat slob and I hate myself. That's not helpful. Thought work would say these pants are wrong for me. (laughs) Let's go find pants that's right for me. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) That's the way to go. (laughs) This is not manifestation and thought work does not cure racism or any other societal ills. She repeats, when you have a negative thought, thought work says to one, ask what are the facts of the situation? Two, where did this thought come from? Three, how does this thought affect me? And for what's a better way to think about this? I've been doing this actively with any negative thoughts I have specifically about others. I want to make sure that I didn't I'm not reacting to something that I speculated on in my mind. Did this really happen? Did it happen to me? Um, If I have a fear that I'm going to end up penniless and never have another bite to eat. Have I ever been penniless? Do I really know anyone who's never had a bite to eat after being penniless? Penniless people eat all the time. Don't okay. you meet them? Don't you meet them in your day to day life sometimes? Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. What? Penniless people eating? Yes. Yes. Find a positive or neutral reframe that asserts your agency and choose to think it on purpose. A broke thought is I'm never going to be out of debt. A million dollar thought is I am capable of changing my situation. Let's move on. That's just her. And thought work isn't something she created, but Mm -mm. she's teaching you how to do it in a very bite sized way. Um, So I love that. After more statistics and anecdotes, we have a long list of broke decisions versus million dollar decisions. And this is the gist. Number one, championing yourself. Think of yourself as someone you must protect and work hard for. Someone tells you no. How can you negotiate to get that yes that you need? Come on, negotiation. Number two, believe in yourself. Already see yourself at the finish line. Then you'll get there. Number three, don't let people demean you. Ah, I kind of feel like people can do whatever they want, but I see what she's talking about. Don't don't let people demean you. She means specifically like maybe people in your household, people in your friend circle. You can remove people from your lives if they demean you. Uh, A boss, a coworker, Mm -hmm. you know. 
I believe in that wholeheartedly. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Get rid of the negative folks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people who don't believe you're ever going to reach your goals. Mm-hmm. What was You don't need them. Stop trying to please everyone, especially people who aren't rooting for you. What would you do if you were a bad girl? Get your own apartment, even though you're married with kids. This is an anecdote. I hate this. So um, <laughs> someone asked this. This is uh, an example, not Rachel's, but someone she knew. Uh, someone was like, girl, what would you do if you were a bad girl? And the one who... Um, Received this question said, well, if I was a bad girl, I'd probably get my own apartment. This woman was married with kids and she got her own apartment. And then she realized, I don't want to be married to my husband. And now they're happily divorced. Well, duh. (laughs) She was already having problems. That was too easy. Easy. There was issues going on. I understand wanting to get away from your kids for a little bit, but you're going to lead a whole family? Yeah. We read books like that before, haven't we? Oh, yes. Oh, also, this is like a financial fill the fear and do it anyway. I just want to say that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we definitely didn't recommend that book, but we reference it often. So I think this will probably (laughs) fall in that category. Let's continue. So, uh, yeah, yeah. uh, Move out of your family's house. (laughs) The family (laughs) that consists of your children and your husband. You go, bad girl. Um, Look at your environment. Consider conducting an annual friend review. Even friends make you, if friends make you feel exhausted and negative, cut them off. One person was like, well, my boyfriend's annual review is coming up. So if he don't make the cut. Um, he's out of here and the author was like I love that girl that's some good thinking my thing is listen (laughs) your corporate life cannot bleed into your personal life if a friend makes you exhausted and you really feel that way stop being friends with them don't wait for your annual review for that friendship (laughs) if you tired of your boyfriend leave him today I believe in leaving boyfriends now. You if you do. ever get to that point, you like, mm, I kind of want to leave your boy, my boyfriend. Leave him. That's silly. Just leave him. Don't wait for the angle. <laughs> Listen, I met a friend. Well, I didn't meet, just meet her, but I was talking to a friend while I was vacationing and she was like, oh, it was the end of the year and she was like, it's time to go through my list of friends. And she literally delete these numbers out of her phone she said I was fortunate to be with her because (laughs) she was like maybe you wouldn't have made (laughs) I can send her a text message and she'll reply back who this old phone who this I heard a new phone who this but you got the same number now (laughs) so it's a thing I said let me look into that that might be a thing for me to do yeah, I think that comes from wanting to control your life and perhaps control others a little bit. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> I'm projecting. Hey, if you feel you got to do an annual audit, go ahead, I guess. All right. Now, um, <laughs> look at your environment again. The people and brands you follow on social media, etc. I love this. Ask, yeah, how does this brand, how does this person make me feel? Drained? Broke? Change and replace accordingly. Now, Not that's broke. a gem. Yeah, and you're making me feel broke. Alexis, don't get all over there in the Buckingham Palace and think you're going to look better than me. Let me see one Chanel bag. It's over for us. <laughs> Listen. Uh, <laughs> let- <laughs> 
Listen, you can't be making me feel broke, huh? I adopted that when the girl told me that she, the woman, she's a woman. When the woman told me she um, deletes friends annually, I then went into my um, follow list on Instagram and deleted like 500 accounts. It's yeah, obviously worthwhile. Rachel knows what she's talking about. I'm kidding a lot here because a lot of uh, this first part, I didn't want to apply or I didn't see how I would apply it. Obviously, a lot of these tips work for people and it's not all mm. ridiculous. You know, this is actually these are um, tools that people have used to improve their lives. And um, don't nobody make you feel more broke than broke people. You <laughs> notice how... Um, you done had $2 with this friend for years and that friend get $3. All of a sudden they want to go out to eat and split the bill evenly. <laughs> I'll never, ever split the bill evenly if I can help it. Because really? if I order steak and you order fries, why are we splitting the bill? Let me pay. Let me pay for my part. I think it's a trap. It's a scam. So I think that's absolutely reasonable. Um, to not split the bill when you know somebody just ordered fries. That don't make sense to me. It's not fair. And I remember being broke. Do I not want to go out to eat with my broke friends? Yes, I do. So if they order water with lemon, we're going to be inventive in what we do. We're going to stare outside the theater and just listen to the musical. <laughs> And we might have more fun than everybody inside. Okay. I'm but saying. I, just, I hate that. Don't make people feel broke. If you know, if you have insight into your friend life and you know they struggling a little bit, don't be doing that. Don't, don't, I hate don't that. do that. That's rude. Right. That's you not. Um, you don't appreciate our friendship enough if you're doing that. Agree. And when we get right down to it, I ain't spent my own money in years. I'm married. So let me not act all high on the horse. High on the horse. Okay. <laughs> all right. So number two, million dollar boundaries. Don't allow others, even your boss and kids to manipulate you out of your boundaries. She says when she works from home and her baby cute as a button comes in talking about mommy, I wish you could play with me more. She goes, get out. <laughs> Get out with that manipulation. <laughs> and she's like, and now I can finish my work quicker and go play video games with them or go have quality time with my children. Makes complete sense. It does. It absolutely yeah. does. Yeah. So this I do get. I'm not going to leave dishes in the sink, but I will eat dinner at a time agreed, even if everyone is not present and disconnect from those who love toxicity. So if you yeah. have a roommate or um, a husband or a significant other, and they're napping and dishes are just piling up in the sink. I am going to wash those dishes and I'm going to complain loudly uh, because we both work. We can, but I ain't going to leave dirty because I still got to live here. However, if I say if you say dinner is at eight and you come walking in at 815, I didn't eat my feet. up. <laughs> I hope that makes sense. Let's move on. <laughs> the point is, I ain't trying to control nobody. You set your okay. boundaries and you stick to them. That's I believe. Mm -hmm. Number three, million dollar squad. You are the average of the five people with whom you spend the most time. This is repeated often and a lot of it is true. No need to completely cut off those whom you can't rely on, but look for people who will help you build an up building network. Look for people who will help you build an upbuilding network. 
There's also no need to think you need a white man to open a door for you. Anecdotes um, she shares shows uh, white men will choose other white men first. And this is actually, I think, pretty true in any category. People, it is. I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah, people, Mm-hmm. So because uh, the financial world is dominated by white men, successful white men, a lot of times women feel like, well, I need a man to open a door for me. That man is likely going to choose another man when that t- when the opportunity comes. Um, VCs, the inner circle she wanted to join, um, other anecdotes uh, show that times when she went against that her own instinct and chose to latch on to a man that she respected, that man didn't always respect her in kind. And so her experience has been to cut your own door out the wall, open it yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Join new communities, find your people. She used Facebook groups. I couldn't tell you how to use Facebook these days. So I'm going to leave that there, but it works for a lot of people. It does. Create small miracles for people. Be generous and step up your game. Um, I love this because what that means is maybe we want to mention a a brand on our show or use some other asset we possess to lift someone else up and then send them a love note. Just letting them know you thought of them and helped and tried to help uh, build them up in a certain way. Do that unprovoked. It's just it's just good. Yeah, do that. All right. Number four, big, hairy, audacious goals, B-H-A-G's. The more audacious the goal, the more motivated we will be. So uh, think about how your life will be when you achieve your goal. How will that affect your day to day habits? How will it alleviate you of a lot of your stresses? Dream big like the little child inside of you. Don't settle for mediocre. And then following, she says, create your own million dollar vision, how to live like a millionaire. Number one, mentally upgrade your everyday life. Think what upgrades will help me practice million dollar behavior? Should I hire a staff? (laughs) Now that sounds crazy, but can you hire somebody to cook in your own house once a week? Would that help you? Uh, One way I've tried to apply this is I get home really late from work on Thursdays. Um, So I get home around 738. We always have food prepared from outside the house on that day. I ain't coming home and cooking. I tried it. We just tired eating in our plates, <laughs> sleeping, eating. It's weird. So, you know, that's I embrace day. that. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Housework. You know, even if your house isn't uh, a mansion. Right. Could you benefit from someone coming in and deep cleaning it once a month? You know, how would that improve your life and would it actually improve you to the point of helping you make more money and to be more effective in your other responsibilities? Um, Number two, run the numbers. Estimate how much it will cost to make these upgrades. You might be surprised at how affordable it is. Number three, brainstorm moneymakers. Make a list. Challenge yourself to make a list of 25 potential moneymakers. Side hustles, sell designer goods, make cupcakes, call everyone who owes you money and ask them to pay up, etc. I don't recommend that last one. That's just going to stress you out and ain't nobody going to pay you. So... But I liked number three because I found $2,000 in my closet the other day. Woo! I found some clothes I just don't wear. Sold them on the real, real two Gs. There you that's that's kind of awesome. That is. 
Number four, commit to your first upgrade. What can you do now to increase your peace and power? Set a deadline for when that upgrade will be executed. Because remember, a a goal without a deadline is just a dream. Mm. Beyonce. Okay, I don't know. I I made that last part up. Um, Oh. (laughs) Unsure unsure where to start? Think of what makes you jealous. What do you want in your life which you see others living theirs? Now, we're not talking about envious where I hate that Alexis gets to live in Buckingham Palace. (laughs) Uh, She don't deserve that. I'm talking about jealousy like, man, it's snowing today in Chicago. And I know Alexis has got her feet up with the king in Buckingham Palace. I got to do something to get to Buckingham Mm -hmm. Palace. Mm -hmm. So that, um, which is just going to be move in with Alexis, but that's another (laughs) show. So that was really interesting (laughs) part to me. Um, I just didn't like the way she presented it. She could have used another word for jealous. Um, Yeah, because we don't want to nurture jealousy. (laughs) No, not at all. You don't want to look at somebody like, no, it's like, oh, that's inspiring. I could, I want to try something like that for myself. Oh, I like that framework because um, I know you and I specifically work so hard to never be jealous of anyone that that's not our default emotion. But inspiration can be. Yeah, I Mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So reframe that. I like. Okay, great. Thank you, Alexis. (laughs) Um, uh, Number four, uh, as I was saying, commit to your first upgrade. What can you do now to increase your peace and power? Set a deadline. Unsure where to start? Think of what makes you jealous. Okay, we we did that. Envision the person you want to become and start acting as you assume that person acts, living the way they live. Wear what that person wears. Form behaviors that person would have. Also, be here now. This doesn't mean spending money you don't have or living outside of your means. It's about changing your mindset and behavior. Okay? 25 ways to be her now. I think I said be here now. It's be her now. Be that millionaire that you see in your future right now. 25 ways to do so. Here we go. Number one, when working, put your phone on do not disturb. Love that. Mm. Number two, get dressed even when working from home. I don't Shut love up, Rachel. that. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel, mind your business. <laughs> I mean, really, really, mind your own business right there. You in my household now. Yeah, yeah, get out of my house, Rachel. <sighs> Number three, hydrate. Hey, drink a whole liter of water, perhaps the first moment you wake up the first within the first hour. That I believe in that. I do that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Number four, declutter your space. It's so much in our life we don't need. You know that, Alexis. You done got rid of your worldly possessions to live at Buckingham Palace. Go ahead. Absolutely. Yeah, I I believe that, too. Um, Declutter. You could hire if you feel like you that declutter. You could hire somebody to help you declutter your space. I used somebody and they were the most helpful. Walk us through that process. How did you do that so that we practically could do that ourselves? So I think this was around the time of Marie Kondo. um, And I had just moved into the Chicago area. And so I was like, you know what? I need to get rid of all these boxes and all this extra stuff that I have because I know I don't need all of it. I had just moved from being five years at another place. It was time. So I picked up the phone or searched the internet and found somebody. And she was the most um, non-judgmental person ever. She came in there and she did the work help she was like listen i'm here to help you and support you as you um want to declutter i'm not 
you know how you, maybe you have a friend that wants to come and help you and they'll throw all your stuff out? I have friends like yeah. that. I have family mm-hmm. like that. I don't mm-hmm. want you to do that. She didn't do that. She was like, what are you ready to get rid of? And mm-hmm. I, I felt free that way. And I got rid of so much stuff. And she unloaded it at the end of our time together and took it to the Goodwill. And that was that. Can I just share a little bit of your business? Always. <laughs> okay. So at this point in her life, Alexis was working for a law firm. She said she just moved to Chicago. She'd been here for like three or four years mm-hmm. and she was living in a studio apartment. Mm-hmm. She needed help decluttering without shame. Mm-hmm. Listen, you do not. Let's say you live in a small ranch house and you like, I could do this. Do you have time? Exactly. <laughs> do you have time? <laughs> and how would your mental health improve if it was just done? Oh, it's possible. It's freeing. It's Did you use a service? I, there was a woman who focused on such things and I just reached oh, out to her. And you found her website. Yep. Six, invest in a bottle of perfume you love. Seven, keep your phone out of your bedroom and upgrade to a non-digital alarm clock. I tried, can't do it. Eight, create spa vibes with a candle. Uh, Light of Tees, that's L-I-T-O-T-E-S. Love lightoftees.com. Those are the candles I make. Get one. Um, You need it, says Rachel. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Yes, I'm co-signing that. Get one. They smell good, girl. They do. They're just brilliant. Mm -hmm. Nine, create... Create a wellness plan, daily walks, connect with nature, do something to get active. Ten, uh, gaze at a million dollar view somewhere in your town. Do you have a great lookout point? Do Mm -hmm. that every once in a while. Eleven, do something every morning that makes you feel pulled together and bossed up. Twelve, treat yourself to a small luxury that feels amazing. Perhaps a new notebook. I'm in that club. I love new stationery. Mm hmm. 13, make room in in your home and life for goals. Clear out unused areas. 14, hire a personal or virtual assistant. 15, put cucumber and lemon in your water on a Tuesday. (laughs) (laughs) 16, create a moment for you at least once a day where you just read, watch the sunset, do whatever you want to do. 17, get your car professionally washed. This does help. Uh, 18, leave the house looking like somebody loves you and put in lotion on your elbows, <laughs> knees, and feet. I know that's right, Rachel. <laughs> Don't be out here in the street, Ashley, like don't nobody love you. 19, listen to audio and podcasts that inspire you. What you doing now? Good for you. Mm-hmm. 20, eat slowly and with appreciation. 21, declutter your calendar. 22, put thriving plants in your space. 23, at restaurants at least once a week, order what you want, not what's cheapest. 24, fix that one thing that's been annoying you for too long. And 25, speak to yourself like you love, admire, and respect yourself. Now, Yes. That was all part one of this book. Let's get to the meat and potatoes. Part two. Uh, Alexis, between part one and part two, which did you find the most helpful or did you find them both equally uh, edifying? Um, So the part two, I think, is more action based, like things you could do. So I really love when people tell me things I can do, even though I be like, oh, I can't do that. I love them. I love being told what I can do. Yeah, I really love part two of this book. There's um, kind of an umbrella in part one where she's just giving you all these big theories, big facts, anecdotes and statistics. Um, Part two is, as Alexis said, more action based. This is where you get out your pen and paper and you write down what to do. 
Number one is to fight imposter syndrome. Now, if you don't know imposter syndrome, also known as imposter phenomena or imposterism, is a psychological occurrence in which an individual doubts their skill, talents, or accomplishments and has a persistent internalized fear of being exposed as a fraud. Oh no, I'm being made the boss of my department, but do I deserve it? Everyone's going to find out I'm useless. Are you like really useless? Mm. Not not large. And all, actually it's a whole bunch of useless bosses. So why can't you be one of them? Amen. <laughs> she gives a story of when she thought she needed the help of a so-called friend um, to start a business. It was her idea, but she didn't feel confident enough to begin it on her own. And in the end, she had to sue that friend. Um, for encroaching on her intellectual property. It was terrible. Crazy. So the, yeah. So the lesson was don't undervalue your abilities. Don't negotiate without cause. Sometimes too, we'll say our price and in the silence that follows, we're already negotiating. No, your price is your price. That, you know what? That's the thing. That is a trick there that people um, helped create that silence just mm-hmm. so you can um, back down and yeah, you got to be careful not to um, <laughs> fall for that. Exactly. So how do you purge imposter syndrome from your mind? Number one, acknowledge that you're not alone and you're not broken. Two, keep track of your wins, big and small. Three, use evidence to combat insecurities. This may mean a support group or therapist or become an athlete. Seriously, train for a race. That's fun. Okay. Yeah. So what can you do that is extremely valuable now that you've combated successfully beat imposter syndrome? Number one, it's a lot of lists, but these are these are helpful. Recognize your natural talents. Is it gardening, writing, talking, etc.? What comes naturally to you does not come naturally to everyone. So recognize what your strengths are naturally. Take action. Write down three things you can do naturally and easily. Go ahead. Go do it right now. Number two, audit your career. Challenge yourself to write 50 ways you've made your company better. Read the list back to yourself and own it. Notice any themes? Well, that's your zone. Work in your zone of genius. Number three, understand your zone of importance, zone of competence, zone of excellence and zone of genius. This is from The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks, another book you can check out if you so choose. Your zone of incompetence. These are things that take you too long to do and someone else can do them better and faster. Uh, There was a time in my job where... a few months ago where we didn't have a graphic designer. And so I spent some time learning InDesign and design layouts. You know what? We didn't use none of them layouts because they weren't good. We hired a graphic designer and within minutes, she had way better layouts put together. Listen, fine, learn new skills, but within reason, know your strengths and don't work within your zone of incompetence. Um, now, your zone of competence. This is work. You can do it. You're efficient at it. But many people can also do it. This can mean um, maybe a cashier or um, a lawyer handling uncontested divorces. It doesn't take much skill to do this. Well, you know what I mean. Um, and then there's the zone of excellence. You are skilled, maybe educated in this area and receive praise for it. This could be a doctor, but that zone can feel like golden handcuffs. You're good at it. You're great at it. Not everybody can do it. But is it your zone of genius? What's the zone of genius? Here we go. The zone of genius is work for which you have natural ability. You're not working in this zone. You're flowing. 
It feels fun. You're motivated. You can produce results that are unlike anything anyone else is doing. You can charge top dollar for work in this zone. Take a course to further sharpen this skill. Double down on what you're great at. Follow the call. What work has been persistently calling you? Hmm. Number four, take assessment to find your zone of genius. Clifton Strengths, which Alexis made me take two seasons ago. Uh, Colby and Discs are just three. Uh, courses that she recommends to help you find your zone of genius. Here's a suggestion. If you're struggling to find that zone of genius, find one thing to do and commit to it. Roll with it for a while. Then if you like, you can expand and have room for another effort, but give yourself a chance to have to make one thing a huge success. So this is what I'm doing this quarter. I'm clearing out things that I can do that I enjoy. And focusing instead on one thing I can do, I enjoy that's within my zone of genius. Stop leaving money on the table and charge for the value you provide. Value-based pricing is not about the time it takes, but the value it provides. And this makes sense because as you become more skilled, you'll become faster. I um, also edit and produce our show, Lit Society. It used to take me half a day. Mm. It was crazy the amount of time it took. And that lasted for about a year, year and a half. Now, as we're starting our fourth year, our fourth season, I have cut that time into one and a half to two hours tops. That's great. From seven to eight hours to like one to two. Clap, 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 clap. Mm -hmm. I applaud you. I applaud you, friend. Thank Mm -hmm. you. Great work there. (laughs) So um, value-based pricing is about the skill that you have. Um, And as you become more skilled, you'll become faster. But that doesn't mean your pay should decrease. Mm. You shouldn't be paid less for doing better. Think about that. Value based pricing instead of time based. Okay, so how to raise your price. Double your rate. That's right. She says, whatever your rate is, I don't care. Double it. Negotiate your pay at your office. Stop undercharging. I guarantee, especially if you're a woman, especially if you're a woman of color, you are not getting paid at the top of the budget within your department. You deserve more. Go ahead, get it. That's what she say. I co-sign on that too. <laughs> when you charge more, you'll be valued more, even by your most loyal clients. Even if they can't afford you no more, they'll be like, well, go and do your thing. <laughs> you I'm know, go and do your you. thing. You deserve. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm rooting for you. <laughs> Instead of trying to be cheap and accessible to all, focus on being wealthy and influential to many. Okay. Feel like you sh- <laughs> feel like you should give more. With more money, you can give more. Challenge yourself to write down 25 ways you already, though, give to others. Um, So then she goes on to talk about hiring a staff. Um, Seriously consider how you spend time and money. You may be able to afford a nanny, a chef, a laundry service, etc. She then breaks down how to hire a personal assistant and which tasks you may want to consider delegating right away. We then continue to building systems. Systems help us effortlessly continue in the direction we're moving. Okay, good credit is important. Smart debt. That's not a bad thing. Credit cards aren't a bad thing, but we want to be smart about it. Small business accounts, lawyers, EINs, etc. These are likely things you need on your path to becoming a millionaire. Focus on earning more smartly than being so frugal that you're miserable. Write your debt a thank you letter. How has your debt helped you? You know, 
Uh, <laughs> hey, girlfriend. Hey. Yeah, uh, thank you, Dad. Because without you, I wouldn't have been able to ride them jet skis for a week in Lake Como. <laughs> and that was great. I ain't going to lie to you, Dad. <laughs> then tackle it. <laughs> tackle that debt. Um, now, this is an idea, Lexus, and I have committed a, to. A Dear John letter to your debt? <laughs> no, no, it's not at all. I it's love not like, you. Well, we did great, but we yes, got to end yes, this relationship. Yes, you're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> it's a dear John letter. It's not you, debt. It's me. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> now, she ends with an idea that Alexis and I have committed to trying, and that's to make $10,000 in 10 days. Listen, you guys, because maybe we all can do this. She really does break down how to do it and ideas for doing it. Here are a few ideas. Sell a VIP day. Are you an advisor of some sort? Are you an accountant? Do you provide a service? Sell a VIP day to your clients and within that one day, help them solve one problem. Number two, charge for your advice. That's called paid consulting. It exists. Mm -hmm. Look it up. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Number three, host an event, even a virtual event. Uh Uh-huh. Hey, hey. Number four, launch the program you've been thinking about for months. We all have an idea, whether it's a book, maybe not a book because we only got 10 days to do it. But there's something related to this big project you have in your mind that you can accomplish within 10 days and make $10,000. Sell products you already own. Remember I told you I found $2,000 in my closet. You can do that too. There are online consigned shops and also in-person ones, perhaps in your neighborhood or city. Um, so how do you do it? Number one, choose the amount you can honestly earn in 10 days. Realistically, maybe it's not $10,000, but if it's only $500, perhaps think about doubling or tripling that because she wants you to dream big and to reach those big goals. Mm -hmm. Set a goal for the money. What will you do after you have the money? Is this the money you need to get out of debt? Is this the money you need to plan another project that you're more excited about? Is this the money you need to take an adult gap year? Think about it. Choose what you'll sell. Number four, schedule the 10 days. Don't put it off. Get it on a calendar and have a plan for each day. And number five, gather your support squad. So this is where you guys come in. I thought it would be cool if you guys were to email us, message us on Instagram. Um, Let's brainstorm ways that we can try to make $10,000 as individuals in 10 days. Alexis and I will do this too. And then we'll reconvene next week. Um, When we talk about the book thief before that, we'll um, also talk a little bit about our goals and how we all can help each other reach that. So what I mean, if some of you out there listening um, sell a product, let us know about your store. We'll look into your product and we may mention it on the show. Our goal is to help us all make $10,000 in 10 days. And I'm excited because I know we can do it. Yeah. That looks like excitement. That's right. Go girl. Now, yeah, yeah. So that's basically the book. Um, There is an epilogue, but before I touch on that briefly, Alexis, did you have any points you want to bring out? No, no. It's a self-help book. Okay. 
I've been helped. <laughs> You've been helped. Hey, hey, a lot of self-help books don't help nobody. So we'll talk about that in the verdict. But in the epilogue, she gives us a little sneak peek into one of her sessions, her classes. And in it, there are some key takeaways, at least for me. Uh, one, she says you cannot be your best self if you're constantly distracted by trivia throughout the day. I found myself scrolling through social media less. Um, because I don't care what celebrity got sued by who or what or what. That's all trivia. And it's not helping me reach my goals. So I love that. Um, number two, she says, delegate whenever possible, even for things we're capable of doing ourselves. Use the new time you have to build and grow. I can hire um, a video producer for my YouTube channel, Chicagoings. I don't have to spend hours editing each video. I can do that. Okay. And then lastly, what I took away is exercise and make it a non-negotiable, not to lose weight or fit someone else's beauty standard, but to be your best self, because that's really the goal. And that's it. You want to take a break? Yeah, let's do that. All right, let's do it. What did you think of We Should All Be Millionaires, A Woman's Guide to Earning More, Building Wealth, and Gaining Economic Power by Rachel Rogers? What's your verdict? Well, Would you recommend this book? You know, I love self-help books, and I believe in taking what I need and can use and throwing the rest away. Um, and many of her suggestions were reasonable to me. Um, it seemed like... It was bringing together a lot of the other self-help books I read related to money, and I thought that was positive. So I would recommend it. She has some actionable items. Um, we talked about we could um, work on um, trying to implement, and I was excited about that. So when I leave a self-help book excited, ready to proceed, then I would recommend it. So how about you? What's your final verdict? And would you recommend this book? Yeah, I echo your words um, to the T. I feel like I'm excited. I'm excited about making $10,000 in 10 days. And even aside from that project, it was part two and all of the actionable items within it that I really felt like sold this book for me. Um, if I wasn't reading it for the show, I would have stopped in part one because those <laughs> were those big ideas and the statistic and the anecdotes. And I don't care for that. I don't find myself motivated by it. Someone else will. I did not. And I'm so glad I continued to part two because I, I thought she explained um, in ver a very economical way how to get to the goal that she presented in front of us, uh, whatever that goal is, whether it's how to give up imposter syndrome, how to move forward toward our goals, and then how to um, plan to make $10,000 in 10 days. So we will reconvene. Um, we're actually taking action and you and I are going to make $10,000 each in 10 days. And we'll be open about how this will be a bonus episode, I guess. Yeah. The outcome. We can make it. Yeah, we can make it happen. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. OK. Um, and then maybe we'll have like a live session or something with other members who are trying to reach that goal and we'll talk about it. Oh, it's going to be great. Yeah. We okay, want to build a community. So I'm excited <laughs> yeah. about that. Um, yeah. So, Kari, thanks for sharing. We should all be millionaires by Rachel Rogers. Mm -hmm. What are we covering next week? Part one of The Book Thief by Marcus Zusak. 
Hey, thank you for listening to Lit Society. We look forward to meeting up with you right here next week, Thursday. Lit Society is brought to you by Alexis Anaria and Kari Herrera. Support the cause by leaving a five-star review. Five. Five stars. Five stars. For our show on Apple Podcasts, along with a comment about why you absolutely love us. Don't forget, you can also stop by Spotify and leave five stars as well. If you've enjoyed what you just heard, tell a friend about Lit Society. Visit LitSocietyPod.com for show notes, this month's book list, and to sign up for our amazing email newsletter. And until next time, readers, read something. Read something.